Story Two of The Water Ghost and Others by John Kendrick Bangs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story Two The Spectre Cook of Bangletop. Part Two. For fourscore years and ten did the same hard fortune pursue the owners of Bangletop. Additions to the property were made immediately upon request of possible lessees. The Greek chapel was constructed in 1868 at the mere suggestion of a Hellenic prince, who came to England to write a history of the American rebellion, finding the information in back files of British newspapers exactly suited to the purposes of picturesque narrative, and no more misleading than most homemade history. Bangletop was retired far from the gadding crowd, as the prince put it, and therefore just the place in which a historian of the romantic school might produce his magnum opus without disturbance, the only objection being that there was no place whither the eminently Christian sojourner could go to worship according to his faith, he being a communicant in the Greek church. This defect Baron Bangletop immediately remedied by erecting and endowing the chapel and his youngest son, having been found too delicate morally for the army, was appointed to the living and placed in charge of the chapel, having first embraced with considerable ardour the faith upon which the soul of the princely tenant was wont to feed. All of these improvements—chapel, priest, the latter's change of faith, and all— the Bangletop agent put at the exceedingly low sum of forty-two guineas per annum and board for the priest, an offer which the prince at once accepted, stipulating, however, that the lease should be terminable at any time he or his landlord should see fit. Against this the agent fought nobly, but without avail. The prince had heard rumours about the cooks of Bangletop, and he was wary. Finally, the stipulation was accepted by the baron, with what result the reader need hardly be told. The prince stayed two weeks, listened to one sermon in classic university Greek by the youthful Bangletop, was deserted by his cook, and moved away. After the departure of the prince, the estate was neglected for nearly twenty-two years, the owner having made up his mind that the case was hopeless. At the end of that period there came from the United States a wealthy shoemaker, Hankinson J. Terwilliger by name, chief owner of the Terwilliger Three-Dollar Shoe Company, Limited, of Sultan, Massachusetts, and to him was leased Bangletop Hall, with all its rights and appurtenances, for a term of five years. Mr. Terwilliger was the first applicant for the hall as a dwelling to whom the agent, at the instance of the baron, spoke in a spirit of absolute candour. The baron was well on in years, and he did not feel like getting into trouble with a Yankee, so he said, at his time of life. The hall had been a thorn in his flesh all his days, and he didn't care if it was never occupied, and therefore he wished nothing concealed from a prospective tenant. It was the agent's candour more than anything else that induced Mr. Terwilliger to close with him for the term of five years. He suspected that the Bangletops did not want him for a tenant, and from the moment that notion entered his head, he was resolved that he would be a tenant. 
I'm as good a man as any baron that ever lived, he said, and if it pleases Hankinson J. Terwilliger to live in a baronial hall, a baronial hall is where Hankinson J. Terwilliger puts up. We certainly have none of the feeling which your words seem to attribute to us, my dear sir, the agent had answered. Baron Bangletop would feel highly honoured to have so distinguished a sojourner in England as yourself occupy his estate, but he does not wish you to take it without fully understanding the circumstances. Desirable as Bangletop Hall is, it seems fated to be unoccupied, because it is thought to be haunted, or something of that sort, the effect of which is to drive away cooks, and without cooks life is hardly an ideal. Mr. Terwilliger laughed. Ghosts and me are not afraid of each other, he said. Let em haunt, I say. And as for cooks, Mrs. H. J. T. hasn't had a liberal education for nothing. We could live if all the cooks in creation were to go off in a whiff. We have daughters, too, we have. Good, smart American girls who can adorn a palace or grace a hut on demand, not afraid of poverty, and able to take care of good round dollars. They can play the piano all the morning and cook dinner all the afternoon if they're called on to do it, so your difficulties ain't my difficulties. I'll take the hall at your figures term five years and if the baron'll come down and spend a month with us at any time i don't care when we'll show him what a big lap luxury can get up when she tries and so it happened the new york papers announced that hankinson j terwilliger mrs terwilliger the mrs terwilliger and master hankinson j terwilliger junior of Salton, massachusetts had plunged into the dizzy whirl of english society and that the sole of the three-dollar shoe now trod the baronial halls of the Bangletops. Later it was announced that the Mrs. Terwilliger of Bangletop Hall had been presented to the Queen, that the Terwilligers had entertained the Prince of Wales at Bangletop. In fact, the Terwilligers became an important factor in the letters of all foreign correspondents of American papers, for the president of the Terwilliger Three-Dollar Shoe Company of Salton, Massachusetts, Limited was now in full possession of the historic mansion and was living up to his surroundings for a time everything was plain sailing for the americans at bangletop the dire forebodings of the agent did not seem to be fulfilled and mr terwilliger was beginning to feel aggrieved he had hired a house with a ghost and he wanted the use of it but when he reflected upon the consequences below stairs he held his peace he was not so sure, after he had stayed at Bangletop a while, and had had his daughters presented to the Queen, that he could be so independent of cooks as he had at first supposed. Several times he had hinted, rather broadly, that some of the old New England homemade flapjacks would be most pleasing to his palate. But since the Prince had spent an afternoon on the lawn of Bangletop, the young ladies seemed deeply pained at the mere mention of their accomplishments in the line of griddles and batter. Nor could Mrs. Terwilliger, after having tasted the joys of aristocratic life, bring herself to don the apron which so became her portly person in the early American days, and prepare for her lord and master one of those delicious platters of poached eggs and breakfast bacon, the mere memory of which made his mouth water. 
In short, palatial surroundings had too obviously destroyed in his wife and daughters all that capacity for happiness in a hovel of which Mr. Terwilliger had been so proud, and concerning which he had so eloquently spoken to Baron Bangletop's agent, and he now found himself in the position of Damocles. The hall was leased for a term, entertainment had been provided for the county with lavish hand, but success was dependent entirely upon his ability to keep a cook, his family having departed from their republican principles, and the history of the house was dead against a successful issue. So he decided that, after all, it was better that the ghost should be allowed to remain quiescent, and he uttered no word of complaint. It was just as well, too, that Mr. Terwilliger held his peace, and refrained from addressing a complaining missive to the agent of Mangletop Hall, for before a message of that nature could have reached the person addressed, its contents would have been misleading, for at a quarter after midnight, on the morning of the date set for the first of a series of grand banquets to the county folk, there came from the kitchen of Bangletop Hall a quick succession of shrieks that sent the three Misses Terwilliger into hysterics, and caused Hankinson J. Terwilliger's sole remaining lock to stand erect. Mrs. Terwilliger did not hear the shrieks, owing to a lately acquired habit of hearing nothing that proceeded from below stairs. The first impulse of Terwilliger Pierre was to dive down under the bedclothes and endeavour to drown the fearful sound by his own laboured breathing, but he never yielded to first impulses. So he awaited the second, which came simultaneously with a second series of shrieks and a cry for help in the unmistakable voice of the cook, a lady, by the way, who had followed the Terwilliger fortunes ever since the Terwilligers began to have fortunes, and whose first capacity in the family had been the dual one of mistress of the kitchen and confidante of madame. The second impulse was to arise in his might, put on a stout pair of the Terwilliger three-dollar broguns, the strongest shoe made having been especially devised for the British infantry in the Sudan, and garments suitable to the occasion, namely a mackintosh and a pair of broadcloth trousers, and go to the rescue of the distressed domestic. This Hankinson J. Terwilliger at once proceeded to do arming himself with a pair of horse-pistols, murmuring on the way below a soft prayer, the only one he knew, and which, with singular inappropriateness on this occasion, began with the words, Now I lay me down to sleep. "'What's the matter, Judson?' queried Mrs. Terwilliger drowsily, as she opened her eyes and saw her husband preparing for the fray. She no longer called him Hankinson, not because she did not think it a good name, nor was it less euphonious to her ear than Judson, but Judson was Mr. Terwilliger's middle name, and middle names were quite the thing, she had observed, in the best circles. It was doubtless due to this discovery that her visiting cards had been engraved to read Mrs. H. Judson Terwilliger the hyphen presumably being a typographical error for which the engraver was responsible. "'Matter enough,' growled Hankinson. "'I have reason to believe that that jackass of a ghost is on duty to-night.' At the word ghost, 
A pseudo aristocratic shriek pervaded the atmosphere, and Mrs. Terwilliger, forgetting her social position for a moment, groaned, "Oh, Hank!" and swooned away. And then the president of the Terwilliger Three Dollar Shoe Company of Soleton, Massachusetts (Limited), descended to the kitchen. Across the sill of the kitchen door lay the culinary treasure whose lobster croquettes the Prince of Wales had likened unto a dream of Lucellus. Within the kitchen were signs of disorder. Chairs were upset, the table was lying flat on its back, with its four legs held rigidly up in the air. The kitchen library, consisting of a copy of Marie Antoinette's dream book, a yellow-covered novel bearing the title Little Lucy, or The Kitchen Maid Who Became a Marchioness, and Sixty Soups by One Who Knows, lay strewn about the room the dream-book sadly torn, and little Lucy disfigured forever with batter. Even to the unpractised eye it was evident that something had happened, and Mr. Terwilliger felt a cold chill mounting his spine three sections at a time. Whether it was the chill or his concern for the prostrate cook that was responsible or not I cannot say but for some cause or other Mr. Terwilliger immediately got down on his knees, in which position he gazed fearfully about him for a few minutes, and then timidly remarked, "'Cook?' There was no answer. "'Mary, I say, Cook,' he whispered, "'what the deuce is the meaning of all this?' A low moan was all that came from the cook nor would hankinson have listened to more had there been more to hear for simultaneously with the moan he became uncomfortably conscious of a presence in trying to describe it afterwards hankinson said that at first he thought a cold draught from a dank cavern filled with a million eels and a rattlesnake or two thrown in for luck was blowing over him and he avowed that it was anything but pleasant and then it seemed to change into a mist drawn largely from a stagnant pool in a malarial country, floating through which were great quantities of finely chopped seaweed, wet hair, and an indescribable atmosphere of something the chief quality of which was a sort of stale clamminess that was awful in its intensity. I'm glad, Mr. Terwilliger murmured to himself, that I ain't one of those delicately reared nobles. If I had anything less than a downright regular Republican constitution, I'd die of fright. And then his natural grit came to his rescue, and it was well it did, for the presence had assumed shape, and now sat on the window-ledge in the form of a hag, glaring at him from out of the depth of her unfathomable eyes, in which, despite their deadly greenness, there lurked a tinge of red, caused by small specks of that hue semi-occasionally seen floating across her dilated pupils. "'You are the bangletop ghost, I presume?' said Terwilliger, rising and standing near the fire to thaw out his system. The spectre made no reply, but pointed to the door. Yes, Terwilliger said, as if answering a question, that's the way out, madam. It's a beautiful exit, too. Just try it. Hi knows the way out. 
returned the spectre, rising and approaching the tenant of Bangletop, whose solitary lock also rose, being too polite to remain seated while the ghost walked. I also knows the Y N Ankinson Judson Terwilliger. That's very evident, madam, and between you and me I wish you didn't, returned Hankinson, somewhat relieved to hear the ghost talk even if her voice did sound like the roar of a conch-shell with a bad case of grip. I may say to you that, aside from a certain uncanny satisfaction, which I feel at being permitted for the first time in my life to gaze upon the lineaments of a real live misty, musty spook, I regard your coming here as an invasion of the sacred rights of privacy, which is, as you might say, inexcusable invasion retorted the ghost snapping her fingers in his face with such effect that his chin dropped until terwilliger began to fear it might never resume its normal position invasion i'd like to know who's de invader i've occupied these here halls for over two hundred years then it's time you moved unless perchance you are the ghost of a medieval porker hankinson said his calmness returning now that he had succeeded in plastering his iron-gray lock across the top of his otherwise bald head of course if you are a spook of that kind you want the earth and maybe you'll get it i'm no porker returned the spectre i'm simply the shide of a poor abused cook which is hafter revenge ah ejaculated terwilliger raising his eyebrows this is getting interesting you're a spook with a grievance eh against me i've never wronged a ghost that i know of no i've no odd feelings against you sir answered the ghost in fact i don't know nothin about you my trouble's with them bangletops and i'm a pursuin of them i've cut them out of two hundred years of rent here they might better have pied me my wages in full oho cried terwilliger it's a question of wages is it the bangletops were hard up hard up the bangletops laughed the ghost when they gets odd up the bank of england will be in all sixty soups mentioned in that there book you seem to be up in the vernacular returned terwilliger with a smile i'll bet you are an old fraud of a modern ghost here he discharged all six chambers of his pistol into the body of the spectre no tigers retorted the ghost as the bullets whistled through her chest and struck deep into the wall on the other side of the kitchen that's a noisy gun you've got but you can't lie a ghost with coal lead any more than you can lie a cornerstone with a chicken i'm here to stay until i gets me wages what was the amount of your wages due at the time of your discharge asked hankinson i was getting ten pounds a month returned the spectre gee whittaker cried terwilliger you must have been an all-fired fine cook i was assented the ghost with a proud smile i cooked a boar's head for his royal highness king charles when he visited bangletop all as which was the finest he ever tasted so he said handed he'd have knighted me on the spot only me sex wasn't suited to the title 
you can't make a knight out of a woman says the king but give her my compliments and tell her her monarch says how she's a cook at too good for her station that was very nice said terwilliger no one could have desired a higher recommendation than that my words exactly when the baron private secretary told me two dies light as how the baron's head wasn't done proper said the ghost i says to him says i the baron's heggs be blowed my monarch's opinion is worth two of any tin baron's livin and mr bangletop hi alice called him mr when he was ugly can get his eggs cooked elsewhere if he don't like the way i boils em and what do you suppose the secretary said then i give up replied terwilliger what he says how i'd the big ed how disgusting of him murmured terwilliger that was simply low and then he accused me of being impudent no he did indeed and then he discharged me without me wages of course i wouldn't stay after that but i says to him if i don't get me pie i'll haunt this place from the day of me death and he says aunt away and you have kept your word i have that i've made it up for him too well now look here said terwilliger i'll tell you what i'll do i'll pay you your wages if you'll go back to spookland and mind your own business ten pounds isn't much when three dollar shoes cost fifteen cents a pair and sell like hot waffles is it a bargain i was sent off with three months money owing me said the ghost well call it thirty pounds then replied terwilliger with interest compound interest at six per cent for two hundred and thirty years said the ghost phew whistled terwilliger have you any idea how much money that is certainly replied the ghost it's just sixty three million six hundred and nine thousand six hundred and nine pounds six shillings four and a half pence when i gets that i flies until i gets it i stays here and i haunts say said terwilliger haven't you been chumming with an italian ghost named shylock over on the other shore shylock said the ghost now i've never heard the name perhaps he's stopping at the other place very likely said terwilliger he is an eminent saint alongside of you but i say now mrs spook uh, or whatever your name is this is rubbing it in to try to collect as much money as that particularly from me who wasn't to blame in any way and on whom you haven't the spook of a claim i'm very sorry for you mr terwilliger said the ghost but my vow must be kept sacred but why don't you come down on the bangletops up in london and squeeze it out of them i can't i'm bound to aunt this place and that's all there is about it i can't find a better why to lie them bangletops low than by attaching to that income and the rent of this place has all the homely bit of hunkum within my reach but i've leased the place for five years said terwilliger in despair and i've paid the rent in advance can't help it returned the ghost if you did that it's your own fault i wouldn't have done it except to advertise my shoe business said terwilliger ruefully 
the items in the paper at home that arise from my occupancy of this house together with the social cinch it gives me are worth the money but i'm hanged if it's worth my while to pay back salaries to every grasping apparition that chooses to rise up out of the moat and dip his or her clammy hand into my surplus the shoe trade is a bloomin big thing but the profits aren't big enough to divide with tramp ghosts your tone is very arty ankinson j terwilliger but it don't affect me i don't care who pays the money and i haven't got you into this scrape you've done that yourself on the other hand sir i've showed you how to get out of it well perhaps you're right returned hankinson i can't say i blame you for not perjuring yourself particularly since you've been dead long enough to have discovered what the probable consequences would be but i do wish there was some other way out of it i couldn't pay you all that money without losing a controlling interest in the shoe company and that's hardly worth my while now is it no mr terwilliger it is not i have a scheme said hankinson after a moment or two of deep thought why don't you go back to the spirit world and expose the bangletops there they have spooks don't they yes replied the lady sadly but the spirit world is as bad as this here the spook of a cook can't reach the spook of a baron there any more than a scullery maid can reach a marquise here i tried that when the baron died and came over to the other world but he had his spook flunkies on and to tell me he was bout driving with the ghost of william the conqueror and the shade of solomon i knew he wasn't but what could i do it was a mean game of bluff said terwilliger i suppose though if you were the shade of a duchess you could simply knock bangletop silly yes and the baron of pedlington too he was a private secretary said i'd had the big head hm said terwilliger meditatively uh, would you uh, would you consent to retire from this haunting business of yours and give me a receipt for that bill for wages interest and all if i had you made over into the spook of a duchess revenge is sweet you know and there are some revenges that are simply a thousand times more balmy than riches wouldn't i ejaculated the ghost rising and looking at the clock wouldn't i she repeated well rather if i could in a spook society as a duchess you can wager a year's income them bangletops wouldn't be in it good i am glad to see that you are a spook of spirit if you had veins i believe there'd be sporting blood in them thanks said the ghost dryly but ow can it ever be did leave that to me terwilliger answered we'll call a truce for two weeks at the end of which time you must come back here and we'll settle on the final arrangements keep your own counsel in the matter and don't breathe a word about your intentions to anybody above all keep sober i'm no cannibal retorted the ghost who said you were asked terwilliger you intimated as much said the ghost with a smile you said as how i must keep sober and how i do otherwise unless i swallowed some spirits terwilliger laughed he thought it was a pretty good joke for a ghost especially a cook's ghost and then having agreed on the hour of midnight one fortnight thence for the next meeting they shook hands and parted 
"What was it, Hankinson?" asked Mrs. Terwilliger, as her husband crawled back into bed. "Burglars?" "Not a burglar," returned Hankinson. "Nothing but a ghost a poor old female ghost." "Ghost!" cried Mrs. Terwilliger, trembling with fright. "In this house?" "Yes, my dear. Haunted us by mistake, that's all. Belongs to another place entirely. Got a little befogged, and came here without intending to, that's all. When she found out her mistake, she apologized and left." "'What did she have on?' asked Mrs. Terwilliger, with a sigh of relief. But the president of the three-dollar shoe company of Solton, Massachusetts, Limited, said nothing. He had dropped off into a profound slumber. End of Story 2 Part 2